What was Secrets of Change Part 1? What was the title? It was the offshoot of Better, right? And what was the title? Desperate Prayers. Love the Spirit. Desperate Prayers. Number two was what? The Law of Faith. Number three was what? Drive. So that was two teachings in one. The place of hard work and the place of your times and seasons. Are you with me? The next one was what? Attitude part one. You see that one attitude? Think I need to we'll find a way and teach that thing again. After attitude, the next one was what? Prophetic alignment. Praise the Lord. After prophetic alignment, the next one was what? Attitude part two. After attitude part two, the next one was what? Supernatural leadership. After supernatural leadership, the next one was what? Straight paths. And the idea of straight paths, we are saying that sometimes the reason why people don't see change in their life is because some things in their life are not straight. They've not straightened themselves before God. And we give two examples. We also try to explain that we are not saying that every, every time a person is stagnated, it's because of what he has done wrong. Are you with me? But sometimes, a person may be stagnated or may not see change in his life because of what he has done wrong. Sometimes. And I showed you two examples in the Bible. There was one example where Jesus was about to pray for a man, and they asked him, Master, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, Neither him nor his parents sinned for him to be born blind. Hallelujah. He says, but that the glory of God will be manifested in him. That was John chapter 9. But there was somebody else that Jesus prayed for. And he got healed. And later, Jesus said, go and sin no more. Lest something worse comes unto you. We saw that in the Bible. You see, the thing about theology is this. When you study the Bible, one of the rules of Bible interpretation is, don't make a doctrine out of one part of the Bible. So there are people that say things like this. Have you ever seen that, something like this? What you do does not matter. Have you ever seen like that before? No matter what you do, it does not matter. It does not matter. See, <laughs> it matters so Pastor, are you saying you don't believe in grace? I see. You should know me now. But what many people are preaching is not the biblical grace. Open the Bible. Go and listen to our teaching on understanding grace. Those eight teachings. Drink it. It matters. When God wants a man about a thing, don't, don't do that thing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Many times, the reason why God wants us about the things we do is not really about him. It's actually because of the accuser. Have you seen that scripture in the Bible that says that he will unveil to the principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God? Have we seen that verse in the Bible? In Ephesians chapter 3. So, the, the, the thing is this. 
when God wants to do a thing, it's not all about just him and you. God has a nature. God has a scepter of righteousness and justice. That even though he loves you and he wants to have mercy on you, there are some legal terms inside. There are some levels of trespass that the man will do. Are you following me? God will be unjust to ignore it. <laughs> because there are some things people say. Sometimes some people will say, eh, Christ, Jesus, God never killed anybody. I'm like, be careful. What are you saying? God can never kill. God does not punish anybody. Be careful. You have to theologize some other scriptures in the Bible. So what happens to scriptures like, for the time is coming and now is that judgment shall be given. Praise the Lord. So we stopped at a question I was asking. I was asking, why, what does God really gain in us living righteously? And we said glory. He gains glory. He gains what? His way to shout it. He gains what? I'm looking at. And it is in two levels. I said, number one, God has created us after his image and his likeness. Are you with me? And we ought to function like him. Not just look like him, but function like him. And God has, be, has a nature of righteousness. So if we are made after his image and his, right, and his nature, we are supposed to live righteously, right? When we live righteously, we give him glory. Meaning, we function according to his image and his pattern. Praise the Lord. Imagine you are the MD of a company and you decided that this is the way things ought to be done. This is how you plan it to be. Then somebody under you that you employed now does it differently. And you ask him, why are you doing like this? You say, ah. And somebody says, slap him. No, what will he do? So, I know Mr. Charles, you have people working under you many times, right? So you say, okay, um, solder this thing here. Join this thing like this. Then he does something different, completely different. It may be a nice thing, but it's completely different to what you plan. And you ask him, ah, John, why did you do this like this? He said, eh, that's how I want to do it. <laughs> what will you do? <laughs> you fire him, right? <laughs> You'll be like, ah, <laughs> what's wrong with you? That is what we do when we want to walk in unrighteousness. God says, I've made it to be after my image and my likeness. You say, ah, it's not my body. It's not my choice. Oh, you think it's your body. Why didn't you make yourself by yourself? Somebody created you. He gave you bread. You know, we live in a crazy generation. I saw something online yesterday. There's a new terminology for people who don't feel... Oh, God. So, you know, we have... Les there, are, there are lesbians. They are gay. There's transgender. There's sooner there's and that's said they call trans transabled. They feel so they feel like they should be amputated. So they feel bad that their body is complete. So psychologists, I'm serious, so they are now researching about it that if a person feels like he he's not he's deprived of being disabled. So, <laughs> I said, demons, they walk over time. People, they give them name. 
God says it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Not Adam and Eve. You say no, that I'm just having a love for a girl. Is that how he created it? He said from the beginning it was not so. Male and female, you become one flesh. You say no. See, that is the sin actually is saying I choose my own ways. You cannot be the moral law. You cannot be the one to decide what is good and bad. There is a God. Are you with me? Do whatever makes you happy. Eh? So to make God make them happy is to shoot other people. Low. <laughs> Anything that makes you happy, just keep on doing it. That's rebellion. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Number two reason why that's this what I just said now is in a general sense. Are you with me? But in a more specific sense, especially as a Christian, why? Must we live holy? What does God gain in us living righteously? It gives glory to his redemptive work. When God sees a Christian living in righteousness, God brags about him. If we check the Old Testament, God bragged about people that lived righteously. For instance, Job. What did God say? He said, have you considered my servant Job? A upright man and one that is sure evil. Now, mind you, this is Old Testament, right? Christ has not died. Christ has not been buried. Men have not received the gift of a new life. And somebody was living righteously. And that was, see, those were foretaste that of what is going to happen. Are you with me? It was a pointer to what God would do in Christ. And God was bragging about him. Was that the only person God bragged about? No. Look at Noah. He says, Noah, a preacher of righteousness, a one that feared God in all his days. Why was God specific about those things? Are you following me? When you read the Bible, there is a demand of the Bible has. You must see the undertones of God. You cannot just read this thing and pass it off and say, what you do does not count. What is God doing there? Everybody read Job 1 verse 8. God bragged about Job. He bragged about Noah. Joseph, same thing. Those stories, do you know that? I've asked myself, who brought out the story of Joseph and Potiphar? Because there was nobody there. Who was there when Joseph was being accosted by Potiphar's wife? Logically speaking, nobody should have been there. So how did the story come out? Remember, the book of Genesis was written by Moses. God revealed that story. So God kept it. He kept the story of a man being tempted and refused to be. That means he wanted to brag about it. Read the stories in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. You see, this one says, by faith. By faith, they refused to be tempted like this. By faith, they walked righteousness. By faith. So God kept those stories as testament. Anytime believers had an opportunity to reject sin and fail for it, you, you, you made God miss a place to brag. Did you hear what I just said? 
God just lost the place to show himself. Look at, okay, look at Genesis 6 verse 9. God recorded this. These are the generations of Noah. Noah a just man and perfect in the generations. And Noah walked to God. So God believes that if you are connected to me, this is how you ought to be. Praise the Lord. Oh, my time is up. And the particular thing I said I was going to preach happened. Praise the Lord. Let me try. I just pray this try will not cause trouble. In Jesus' name. So I was trying to say that in practical righteousness or in practical righteousness, we testify of the efficacy of Christ's redemptive work. So if it is true that God has destroyed the nature of sin in us when we believe in him and has given us a new nature. It ought to show in our lifestyle. Are you with me? Are you with me? It ought to show in our lifestyle. So we testify that sin has been defeated. And we also testify that the devil has been defeated. So quick Bible study. First Peter chapter 1 from verse 3. First Peter 1 verse 3. Remember where I was coming from. Every member of this church ought to be a Berean Christian. Take the word of God serious. Take instruction serious. Are you with me? When you come to church, come with a book and buy right. If you're coming with a tab or a notepad, make sure you are writing. Make sure you are inside the service. In fact, Anybody that is in the service and is not really following and writing is a suspect. Maybe he came to the phone. <laughs> and it will not prosper in Jesus' name. As you move there like this, God, God will glue your hand. Your hand will be like that till they catch you. <laughs> in Jesus' name. In fact, that one is a small prayer. As they, anybody that comes to this place will steal phone again. Lord, as they come, they'll forget their mission. They will get saved, speak in tongues, receive visions and prophesy. By the time they are remembered, they are a new creature. In Jesus' name. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3. What does it read? He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. <laughs> Glory! He has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you. Hallelujah. Verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Sometimes I'm kept by the power of God. I'm care about the power of God. So, are you seeing this? This is talking about the fact that when we are saved, we are saved eternally. We are care about the power of God. The same, the same faith that saves us keeps us. The same power that saves us keeps us. Are you with me? This is just basic Bible study. But jump to verse 14. These people who are care about the power of God, he's talking to them now. Verse 14. 
He says, as obedient children. Ah, I didn't plan for this. My God, say after me, I'm an obedient child. If you know, you know. <laughs> As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lost in your ignorance. I can preach an election sermon from this. <laughs> not fashioning yourselves according to your former lost in your ignorance. I go and put that thing again. I didn't see anything. So these people who are kept by the power of God, look at what he's saying to them in verse 14. He says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourself according to your former lust in your ignorance, verse 15, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Are you seeing this? So there is a scare among the fathers of faith today. Many of them say, um, salvation is not eternal. How can you, anybody that tells you that one saved is whatever saved, is lying to you. I understand what they're afraid of. They're afraid of the fact that when you tell some people you are saved eternally, they think, oh, I can misbehave. No! The proof that you, have been, you are kept by the power of God. How do we know that you are among those who are kept by the power of God? It is that you will not fashion yourself according to your former lust. If you are part of the people who say, no matter what I do, I can continue sin in sin, God has saved me eternally, it's proof that you are not saved. Did you hear what I just said? That's Bible. If you're among the people that say, oh, I can keep on in sin, my salvation is eternal, I'm saved forever, are you sure? That you can even say that, you are not inside. Because if you are inside, you will be an obedient child. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to your former lusts. It is true I'm kept by the power of God. It is true I've been saved eternally. But because of that, I am an obedient child. Not fashioning myself according to my former lust. But as he which had called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Pastor, are you sure he's talking to born-again Christians? Let's press for that. Jump to verse 23. Because it's all in the same context. Verse 23. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. That scripture eh, implicitly shows that no Christian is going to hell. Because you have been born of the incorruptible seed. That seed cannot be corrupted. Are you following me? But of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The last time the word of God went into hell, it came out alive. <laughs> Can I tell you what I'm doing? I'm just preaching to you the Bible. I'm not bringing some strange drama. It's scripture. September is hungry me. Which one is not hungry me? August is already. August teachings radical devotion. He's doing my blood. Teach it, teach it now. I say no. September teachings is doing me. Orthodoxy. Calm down first. October, I don't know which one. There are plenty of things. October, I think we may do um, concerning understanding salvation. I, I want, we have to go back to that teaching, right? Then we'll talk about making heaven. What does the Bible teach about this? Who will make heaven? The judgment seat of Christ. All those. So many things. 
this year we I removed intentionally removed the ecclesia. I intentionally removed locomotives about evangelism because if I repeat those things, there are some other things we will not teach. Praise the Lord. So whenever a Christian lives according to this thing, God receives glory. God says yes. Final verse for the Sunday school today. Praise the Lord. Romans 6 verse 1. What does it read? Now go back to that verse 1. Let me tell you something. For him to say, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He did something in chapter 5. Listen. If Christians, if grace is taught and a person doesn't feel like all my sins have been paid for, then it's not grace that was taught. Because Paul is the one saying, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because from the previous teachings, it is obvious that, listen, the grace of God abounds. It is true that the grace of God abounds, but shall we? Can I tell you something? If you study the biblical teaching on grace, there is no sin that has not been forgiven already. God has paid for it completely. God has dealt with it. See, his blood has paid for all the sins that were committed and will be committed. Are you with me? But on this premise, he's saying, is it because of that provision we'll continue in sin? He said, God forbid. And why is he saying God forbid? Verse 2. He says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer daring? So, the idea of not continuing sin is not because, oh, God has paid for all my sins. Child, I pity him. Oh, make a no good sin and I, and I want now. Make him no be like, see, I don't like what he didn't do. Or child, make a home myself. Make a home myself. This thing you hungry me, but make a home myself. <laughs> That's not it. He says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer daring? So the provision of grace is not just forgiveness of sins, but separation from sins. We are dead to it. Are you with me? The grace of God is not just about, oh, your sins are forgiven. That is great. All my sins have been forgiven. It has been paid for. But that's not what grace offers alone. It offers a separation from sin. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer daring? Verse 3. He says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? Ah, that's the gospel in his death. That when he died, we were baptized into him and our old man died with him. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. Say amen. amen. So how? He's telling us something. He says that as like Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, how was Christ raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father? If you study it like I've shown here before, that when Christ was raised, hmm, can I say this? 
He died. Have you ever seen that scripture in 1 Corinthians 15? That he died with a natural body, but was raised with a spiritual body. Have you seen that scripture before? He died in dishonor, but was raised up in glory. The summary of that is, when he died, God raised him back to life a brand new man. By the Holy Spirit, he was quickened a brand new man. That means every child of God, the same way Christ was raised up from the dead. Okay, look at this. It is soon a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Let me not distract myself. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. See, <laughs> when Christ rose from the grave, when he met the apostles, what did he do? He said, touch me, for his spirit had not flesh and bones, right? So that means he had flesh and bones after he rose up. But don't forget, the blood in him had been taken out. I'm going too deep. The, the pesticide and blood and water came out. That means his heart had ruptured, right? But his body was intact, his flesh and his bones. He says, for his spirit had not flesh and bones. But don't forget, when he came into that meeting, the door was locked. So how did he come in? It was a body, but it was a spiritual body. It was a body that could be touched, felt, handled, but it was a spiritual body. He rose up a new man. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That was actually a foretaste of what is coming for us. We have a new body that we are going to receive at the coming of Christ. Even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. So, a proof to God eh, that you've come into this thing is, even now, when people look at you, it will be proved that. When they look at your life, they'll say, that guy is not with us. Are you with me? It will be obvious that you are a new man. I cannot forget I cannot forget when I went to the field. The first time I went to the field. <laughs> so, the first night, after work, finished working on the oil well, did rig down, arranged our um, 1502 pipes and all of that. Went to the hotel. Went into my room and I slept. I woke up the next morning. Went to work. Same thing second night, same the third night. But the fourth day in the morning, the driver called me and said, okay, I want to see you. So, I said, um, what is the matter? He said, which blanket you use? I said, ah, my blanket is color blue, it's blue. <laughs> so, okay, I know, you don't understand. Which blanket you use sleep? I said, I used a big blanket. It's blue. What are you talking about? He said, I see which woman you carry sleep. I said, I don't carry woman sleep. She came in. Look like this. He said, Now lie. See which one you do? You drink. I said, I don't drink. You smoke. I don't smoke. You do woman. I don't do woman. So you get called. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get called. Oh. You get called. Ah, God don't call you. You get called. <laughs> he 
sickness for years. I never see one person we come here. Eh? We no carry blanket sleep. You guys say, you get caught. Let me know my mind. You know, blood not there your body. Try. 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 You know the problem? He has never met a Christian. He says in the newness of life, they will look at you and say, this one is new. This is different. This is different. So whenever we walk in righteousness, God looks at us and says, yes, this is what I'm talking about. Can I tell you something? Righteousness is beautiful. The devil makes it look as though it is a cake, it's boring, it's, are you with me? doesn't make sense. But the Bible says, in the beauties of his holiness. Holiness is beautiful. Father, we give you praise. Lord, we thank you because we are strengthened to make our path straight. We are strengthened to make our path straight. We yield to your spirit to walk in the newness of life. We are quickened to make our path straight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Were you blessed? Were you blessed? Father, we give you praise. Jump on your feet and begin to bless the name of the Lord. Exalt him.